All right, so in the living room, here we are. Um, the last couple of weeks, we have already been making progress towards um, our reopening. And uh, we looked at uh, the core values. What's important to us as a family at Nicholasville Baptist Church? And we looked at um, the word and the celebration and the body and the mission. And so next week, we're gonna move forward to something different. It's gonna be kind of a transition week for us from where we've been to where we're heading. But this week, we're gonna look at something that's also important to our church family and something we, we jump back to about every 12 to 24 months. We wanna remind ourselves of the important things so they're always at the forefront so we don't forget. Now, um, uh, obviously a lot of you guys in this room are gonna have heard some of this before, but we're really just gonna kind of rock and roll right down through them. You're gonna see some words pop up on the screen, but one of my passions, one of the passions of our elders, the passions of our staff, is that whether or not we have a big church or whether or not we have a loud church or whether or not we have a, 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 a beautiful church is, is not as important as us making sure that we have a healthy church. We want to be a healthy church full of healthy individuals because if something is not healthy, it's unhealthy. If something is not functional, it is dysfunctional. And so we want to keep our eyes on that. So we're going to jump down through 10 things that we want to keep in the forefront of our heads um, as ideas that will make Preston and Steve and Melissa healthier as believers and as individuals. And if the body of Christ, NBC on Maine, if us as a church family, we keep these two, we will have a healthy church. Healthy church members, healthy church. So the first one is this. A healthy church is full of individuals who believe that the scriptures are totally sufficient as an authoritative guide to the Christian life. Now, up on the screen, you're going to see sufficient scriptures. We want everybody to buy in and we as a church want to buy in that the scriptures are the authority and that they are sufficient to fill all of our needs. A couple of ways that we veer off of that, one way that we veer off of that is that we look to something else to be the authority. It sounds good, it feels good, it makes us happy. So we switch to that, all right? We'll read a book, we'll hear a preacher that that his words build us up. And so we're like, well, that's what's important, what they say is important, but we don't go back to the scripture to make sure that the foundation is true for all of eternity. So we want to keep the scripture as the main thing. You've heard the phrase, keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, we have to make sure as in our core values that the scripture is the main thing. Another mistake that we make that we need to keep from making is that a lot of people feel like the scriptures are what we call exhaustive. They have every answer for everything all of the time. And in spirit, all right, in so much as they are the word of God, they do. But as literal words on the page, if we go looking for um, at what age is it okay for me to become a Christian? We're not going to be able to open a book of the Bible and go, you may accept Christ at age nine or you may accept Christ at age seven. That's not written in there. That would be exhaustive. But if you think about it, if we have an exhaustive uh, Bible, it's going to be, uh, well, way thicker than, than you can imagine, all right? What we do understand is that the scriptures are sufficient. 
if we are doing what the scriptures say, joining together in, in small groups, if we are reading the scriptures and meditating on them morning, noon, and night, all right, if we have a relationship with God, all right, and, and if God is speaking to us through his Holy Spirit, then we can understand by the scriptures from Genesis to the Revelation that all of the answers are there for us. If we are seeking, because the Bible says seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. If we are reading, meditating, and most of all, if we're listening to the author, all right? The Bible itself says a natural man can't understand the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to him, for he is not spiritually appraised. So when we get to know God, when we read the scripture, it's like the author is reading them with us and taking us through them. And that is where the full sufficiency comes from. All right? Sufficient scriptures, that's important to a healthy church. All right? Healthy church is also full of individuals who are pursuing Jesus. Now, the two-word phrase there is pursuing Jesus. And here's what that means. We can't make anything else utmost. Nothing. We have to be chasing Christ. Paul said, I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. That is our aim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not Romans, not Galatians, those are important, but Jesus said, I am. We have to be chasing him. And one of the mistakes that we're trying to combat here is chasing people. My words. Kids chasing size words. People who love music, but making Preston the utmost. And that has happened over the years. We've all been fans of Andy Stanley or Matt Chandler or Chris Tomlin or uh, Stephen Furtick. People who are out there that are put on a pedestal. And what we end up doing then is we say, man, listen to how awesome they preach. Listen to how awesome they teach. Let me, let me. Let me talk about how that makes me feel and we key in on that. And that becomes a problem. That doesn't mean those people are bad. That doesn't mean they don't have great things to say. What that means is when they become the ultimate, the church is eventually going to fall because we all make mistakes. We all have problems. And if we put our, our, our faith in any men or, or women, then we're going to have a problem. And if even if we're putting it in, in worship, if we're putting it in, teaching, if we're putting it in small groups, if, if, if something that is not Jesus becomes ultimate, we're going to have problems, even if they're good things. The phrase we always talk about, are we doing good things or are we doing God things? All right. So the first one is sufficient scripture. The next one is pursuing Jesus. All right. Number three, full of individuals who celebrate obedience by practicing the ordinances assigned in scripture. So ordinance obedience is what's gonna be up on your screen and here's what that means. We cannot start, build our lives or start or build a church if there is any record or any hint of our disobedience, of our thinking that there is a place in our life that we have authority. We can't do that. And so as Christians, there are a couple of things lined out in scriptures that we are asked to do as individuals and we are asked to do as a church body. And those things are be baptized, repent and be baptized following the example of Jesus and take communion, um, this do in remembrance of me. Those are the ordinances of the church. And so the main reason we do them is obedience. Jesus said we were supposed to when we met together, and so we do. 
And what that does is that starts a foundation of obedience. Healthy churches are built on a foundation of Jesus is Lord of our life. He is Lord of our church. And so at his request, at his asking, we respond. And we do that, like I said, with the ordinances, which are baptism, and the Lord's Supper. All right, number four. Full of individuals who love one another and desire to live and worship joyfully together in community. Loving joyfully. Now that sounds like the way churches always ought to be. We ought to be able to get together and love one another filled with joy. Here's the problem. We come to church and we are filled with joy. We're filled with compassion. We're filled with love. We meet new people. We want to hug their necks all the time. And then six months from now, I'm happy with its the church because it's it's my church. It's where I attend. Two years from now, I'm happy with my church because it's where I attend. It's where my friends attend. And I'm now the person in charge of the children's ministry or the person in charge of the vacation Bible school or the person in charge of the kids choir. And, and, and pretty soon we're taking this ownership and it becomes all about us. And then someone disagrees with us. So Johnny and Sandy, they don't, they don't agree. And then uh, pretty soon now we're not feeling it or you show up for church and you want to come in and be joyful but you see somebody in the parking lot and you don't like the way that they handle their children or you don't like the way that they treat their spouse and then you're overtaken with an emotion that is not one of the fruits of the spirit. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's rage or hatred and we come into the church and we fill the sanctuary with those things and pretty soon our church becomes not a place where we love joyfully but a place where we're enduring a place where we're taking ownership of what's ours, a place where we're simply attending because of duty or because of religion. And that's a problem because that becomes an unhealthy church. We should gather together, love one another, and be joyful about it. The Bible even says when it comes to giving your praises and when it comes to giving your offerings, if you're in church and you, you want to give them, you want to offer your praise or offer your gifts, Jesus says, take them back. Keep them. I don't want your praise. I don't want to, to, to take this I love you from you, to take this, we want to glorify you from you, when I know how you feel about the person next to you, when I know how you feel about that person over there. In fact, God says, take your gift, take it out of the church, go, go fix it. Go get things right with them, and then come and bring your offering to me. The Bible also says this, how can you love me who you cannot see if you can't love your brother who you can that's a hard truth, and you know what we want to do? We really want to ignore it. Or, or we want to amen it and think about how somebody else is doing it, but not about how God expects us to do it. Members of a healthy church and the body of Christ, when it's healthy, loves joyfully. Number five, a healthy church is full of individuals who are open-handed. Now, this has to do with a lot of things, but the key here is open-handed. At NBC, we're trying to get ourselves, our pastor, our staff, our elders, and everybody who comes through our doors to live a life that is open-handed. And as simply as I can put it, here's all that means. There is nothing that is yours. Nothing. Now, you say, well, I understand that. There are things other people have that aren't mine. No, you said the word mine. 
all right? And I believe Steve even has gotten into this before. There's nothing, there's not a word that really means mine in, in the Old Testament that has to do with like ownership. And there's a reason for that because you don't own anything, all right? Everything that God has placed in your life, and let's talk about some of those things, your ability to sing or your children that God gave you or the home that you say that you own, probably that is owned by Fannie Mae or Citigroup or somebody like that, okay? Your vehicle, your sports ability, your $100 that you made this week. Listen, you have all of those things, all right? And here's how we like to say it. If all of those things are sitting in your hand and your hand is like this, no problem. It's the minute your hand goes like this, that sin starts. Here's why. Everything that you have belongs to the Lord, and he should be able to take it anytime he pleases. Well, wait, you, you put my kids in there. Yeah, I did. You put my spouse in there. Yeah, I did. You're a steward. You're managing things that belong to God for him, and that is an ultimate and an overwhelming responsibility. What I have to do with Tyler, what Cy has to do with Briley, how Stephen is called to treat Cy, how Preston is called to treat Melissa, they are children and treasures of God, and we have been put here to care for them. And that responsibility is heavy, and it's fine if you wanna blow it off, but a healthy church cannot. Healthy believers can't blow this off. We have to live our lives like this. What's mine is yours. What's yours is yours. In fact, it's just all yours. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to enjoy it in this life, for giving me these blessings in this life. And I don't want you to remove them, but I trust if you do, they are for everything greater good in you. We have to live open-handed, church. We have to live in a way that we understand that we are stewards of all that God has given us. And when he asks, he should have. Number six. Man, we're getting into the, the really no fun section here. Number six, full of individuals who are willing to engage one another and willing to be engaged over sin. Now, there are several types of people when it comes to this one, all right? Some of us hate conflict, and we are absolutely unwilling to engage anyone over it. Not my job. Jesus wants to take care of that sin. He going to zap them. He going to go get them. But it ain't my job to go and tell them. And then there are others who are like, oh, I am perfectly willing to call out, you know, Steve's zipper being down. I am perfectly willing to call out, you know, something else out there. Uh, all right. But I am not willing for anybody to tell me what's wrong with me. I, I, I don't need anybody telling me what I'm not doing right. And, and, and the thing there is, there are lots of people who would tell you that you're doing things wrong to bring you down. There are. But when Jesus talked about this in the book of Matthew, he began with an assumption that churches forget. And here's what it is. When God said, if your brother does something wrong, has sinned, and maybe it's against you, and you go to them, the assumption before that verse comes out is this, that these people are living together 
in community based on mutual understanding between one another. I'm giving you what you need. You're giving me what I need. And we are all growing together. That is the understanding. So if you belong to a healthy church body and there are people in there who are making sure that you are rising up and as you are rising up, they are rising up. And as they are rising up, these people over here are rising up. We're trying to keep anybody from falling and everybody growing. And when that is the understanding, things get way more beautiful. And when someone confronts you, it is not to tear you down, but it is to help you be better and to help you be more. And that is a place, I still remember the conversation Steve and I had just outside of a Starbucks on Nicholasville Road, way on up past the mall right there when, when we were talking about eldership. And he straight up said, man, I just, I, I don't know if I want that responsibility. I genuinely don't know if I want biblically to be held responsible for every member of our congregation and looking them in the eye and going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and we got to fix it. And it's not because I hate you, it's because I love you. Because those are hard conversations to have. And if we were honest, if Steve were honest, Spencer, me, any of the staff, we would have to look into this camera and say, we haven't always done that well. And we haven't because we're scared too. Sometimes we know we've got to do it and we will talk to each other and we'll be like, I know I should go to them, but this is not comfortable. No, it's not comfortable. It is healthy. It is healthy. If we are growing together, the healthiest thing we can do is continue to lift one another up. And if sin is dragging somebody down, we've got to identify that sin, remove that sin and be lifted up together. So a healthy church is full of individuals who are willing to engage and willing to be engaged over sin. Honest engagement. Number seven, a healthy church is full of individuals who, when it comes to holiness, all right, acknowledge honestly where they are and pursue actively where they ought to be, all right? This is called constant pursuit. Here's what this is. I'm never there. This is Philippians chapter one, verse six. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. If we get saved, if we get good, if we get staff position, if we get um, um, discipled, if we're joyful this week and we get to a place and we're a little bit ahead of most of the other people and we're good with that, we failed. The minute we're good with that, we failed. And, and, and the integrity of who we are in Christ when it comes to holiness, when it comes to being set apart for his purposes, that's an incredible call. That, that, that's, what it, that's what it means, really. Holiness means set apart. And so once you are called by God and he makes you what we sing, holy, 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 when he makes you holy, it means you have been removed from a place and set into another place for a purpose, and we must constantly be trying to live out that purpose because that's what God called us, created us to be. And if we're not growing toward that constantly, we're, we're, we're treadmilling Christianity. The opposite of constant pursuit is treadmill faith. I've never said that before, but I believe that. I believe that's good and something for us to hold on to. We don't want to be a church full of treadmill faith people. We want to be a church constantly pursuing the holiness in each and every one of our lives. All right? Constant pursuit. So number eight, filled 
with individuals who celebrate their freedom in Christ seriously and responsibly, all right? This is the age-old tale between legalism and license, all right? This is the healthy, adult, biblical balance between I can do anything I want and God's going to forgive me and I can't do anything because God saved me. Neither one of those things are true. Neither one of those things are true. When you come into Christ, all right, when the truth sets you free, it does not set you free to follow a list of a thousand new rules. It does not. It sets you free to follow one guy who gave his life for you. We have to celebrate the freedom we have in Christ by saying the truth has set me free and being joyful about it by making sure that we listen and obey God for what he says and stop adding rules that he did not at the same time. We cannot, cannot, cannot. In fact, Paul put it this way, by no means, exclamation point. Heavens, no. All of the heavens say no. You cannot just go, I can do what I want, sleep with who I want, drink what I want, put what I want into my body, buy what I want, sell what I want, because under grace, I am loved by God, and it's all going to be okay. No, no, heavens, no. So part of being a healthy Christian in a healthy church is understanding that beautiful place that God intended for us between legalism and license, between celebrating our freedom and being responsible in Christ. This is one we're going to work our whole lives toward. This is one where each church on each corner is going to have a different opinion, all right? And, and the best thing that I can say to all of you is to read the Word, study the Word from your, for yourself, find people you know have walked the path before you and are wise, and talk it out with them each and every step of the way. Well, Craig, that, that takes a lot of talking. Yes. Yes, it does. And that, it's in that conversation that we grow. It's in that conversation that we've lost in our digital world. We're all spouting opinions. Nobody's having conversations. <sighs> Celebrate freedom. Number nine, filled with individuals who, as we fail, oh, as we fail, Confess honestly and repent earnestly for the sake of the individual and the body. This, is, this one's simple. This, this has to do with looking in the mirror and being able to say, I was wrong. And in this world, that is a very, very rare thing. Being able to look in the mirror, look at your spouse, look at your children and say, I was wrong. There have been times, and this is small, but they were big in my heart, where I'll be driving, and I remember one or two of these. Uh, Tay, Ty will be in the car. One of them does something dumb. I'll raise my voice. The other one does something dumb. I'll raise my voice. And then the other one does something incredibly dumb. And I will yell. I will scream. I will turn around. Why can't? And I can feel it boiling up in me. And I literally detest myself for it. And if I just turn away and go, that was all on them. It's all right. And I move forward. My children are going to remember that. But both of those times that I can recall, I immediately said, daddy, sorry, that, that's on me. Now, you can't do this, and you shouldn't do this, but that didn't deserve the yelling, the screaming, the tears, 
in Tay's eyes that I caused because I lost my temper. Now, that's a small example. But as Christians, we've lost the art of saying, this is what I did wrong. This is how God saved me from it, and this is who I've become. Part of it is because we're arrogant. That's just the truth. But the other part of it is because the church has been judgmental. The church has failed in its ability to show grace and to forgive. And we've got to change that. A healthy church is a place where individuals are willing and able to do that and where the church accepts those people as they do it with open arms, not allowing them to continue in their sin, that's repentance, but offering them grace for their confessions. Earnest confession, that was number nine. And number 10, filled with individuals who understand the reconciling process of carrying out discerning church discipline. Listen, we try to talk about this up front at NBC because um, I can honestly tell you in the 40 years that I lived in all of the churches that I went to before now, I never saw church discipline carried out completely. I never saw it carried out from confession to what we call restoration. And that's what we're going for. A healthy church is full of individuals who have fallen, confessed, repented, and then been restored to what God made them to be. Hey, I'm a divorced guy. Well, you can never, ever, ever be a leader, be a pastor, be anything in the church again. Well, maybe just maybe I can say I screwed up. And maybe just maybe there are people out there who understand the grace of God. And maybe just maybe I can turn from the things that helped me make those mistakes, put them behind me, and maybe just maybe I can be restored to the person God intended me to be. And that, that is what we want for you. That is what we want for everybody in this room. That is what we want our children to see adults becoming. Imperfect people made holy and righteous by the grace of God and embraced for their sin and their sainthood in the church of Jesus Christ. A healthy church is filled with individuals who understand the reconciling process of discerning church discipline. The church is a place where if you're failing, the leaders need to be able to say to you, you're failing. And then it's a place where you need to be able to say, I am and I'm sorry. And then it's a place where maybe you're removed for a while from whatever positions you have. And then it's a place where people pray for you and love you anyway. And eventually it's a place where you are right back where you started. Eventually, it's a place where you are right back where you started and even further along. It's what God does, isn't it? Isn't God in the business of restoration? Isn't that why he died? He was broken so we don't have to be. This is what a healthy church looks like. Each individual in the church chases after each of these things. And in the body of Christ together, chases after these things, and we become more and more healthy each and every day. We love you. We can't wait to see you in person. Thanks for hanging out with us in the living room today. Now go and be healthy. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you that the Clay family and the Celine family and, and the Tackett family got, got to spend some time together and, and got to break some bread and, and got to watch the kids and got to laugh and 
pause and sing and celebrate. God, this is what, what we've all been missing and what we all understand that we have to get back to. But God, what we want is to come back to health. What we want is for the people who've been visiting or watching us online to understand. And we don't want to be perfect or we don't want to be big or we don't want to be fancy. We want to be yours. And we want to keep trying to be healthy. So God, we're offering this to you. We can't. We can't be open-handed without you. We can't be con confessing and repenting earnestly without you. We can't find the sufficiency of the scripture without you. So God, let us walk with you and talk with you. And let us be healthy in you together. In Jesus' name, amen.